Can I have Millie stand up for just a moment? Millie's in our 9 o'clock service. Y'all may not ever know. <laughs> and this coming Saturday, Millie will be 100 years old. Have you ever been prayed for by a 100-year-old saint before? You know? So she has prayed for us. She's here since the very beginning. And that's very, very significant. It really is. I think it's very significant that, uh, you know, uh, Millie turns 100 years old on Easter weekend. That's fantastic. God just figured it out how to do it that way. Awesome. Okay. And all of you will do the same for you when you turn 100, okay? All right. Uh, let's see. Anything I'm trying to figure out to do here? Oh, let me share something with you. There's a little boy... He was sick on Palm Sunday. That's what today is. And he stayed home from church with his mother. His father returned from church holding, you know, a palm branch. You know, like what we have here today. He had a palm branch with him. And the little boy was curious and asked, Why do you have that palm branch, Dad? You see, when Jesus came to town, everyone waved palm branches to honor him. So we got palm branches today. And the little boy replied, Oh, shucks. The one Sunday I miss is the Sunday that Jesus shows up in town. <laughs> so he misunderstood the timing just a little bit there, you know. But many, the truth, if the truth was to be made known, many churchgoers are not aware of Christ's presence. And many churchgoers are not aware of Christ's absence. They're not aware of Christ at all. I mean, I, I was that way as a child. I went to church all the time, you know, and I assumed I was a Christian just because I went to a church. I was raised in a church, but I really did not know Christ. I was not aware of his presence, and I was not aware of the absence of his presence until I was just about graduating from high school when I came to know him in a personal way. Uh, let me share this uh, Palm Sunday passage here. It's in Luke chapter 19, verse 35. It says, So they brought a colt to Jesus, and they threw their garments over it for him to ride on. And as he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him, and uh, they were spreading out palm branches all over the place. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, different of the Gospels, tells you different things. But they were throwing their, their garments, you know. They were throwing uh, palm branches. They were ripping off of trees there. They were treating him like royalty as he came in on this colt of a, a donkey that had never been ridden before as, as he came in. And this was very, very significant because as Jesus came into the city, as they were, you know, singing Hosanna, Hosanna and all, and they were throwing all these things before him and just respect and honor. And Jesus came into uh, Jerusalem through what is referred to as the sheep gate. It's the same gate that tens of thousands of sheep were, you know, led into every year because the, the people would sacrifice a spotless lamb every year for themselves and their family 
And, and that sacrifice, when they would kill the lamb, a pure, spotless lamb, when they would kill it, its blood, would in God's eyes genuinely cover their sins for that year. And Jesus, at the same time when tens of thousands of sheep are being led into the great city, Jesus was also going in, and there was only one gate that the sheep were allowed to go through. And Jesus chose to go into that gate into the city, you know. And we know, we hear what John the Baptist said when John the Baptist saw Jesus before he baptized him. And he said, as he was going, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. After Jesus came into the city on that Palm Sunday, he came not to cover over the sins of the world and there'll be a need of another sacrifice the following year. Jesus came to wash the sins of the world away. They would never, ever need another sacrifice. It's done once and for all. So anyhow, this is, this is him coming into the city. And it says in verse 37, Luke 19, 37, when they reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Hmm. They had seen Jesus work tremendous miracles. And as he's coming down and they're waving branches, they're praising him for all the miracles they had seen. Verse 38 says, Blessing on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Later in the week, you know, many of the, the same people who were there waving palm branches, later in that same week, they were down there at the governor's house, at Pilate's house. Same people. And let's read about that. It's found in Matthew chapter 27, verse 15. And it says, Now it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the crowd. That was his custom. You know, our, we have a custom, our presidents, before they go all out of office, sometimes they'll turn a prisoner or somebody loose, you know, same kind of a deal. And it says that he would release one prisoner to the crowd, anyone they wanted. This year, there was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas, and he was a convicted murderer. I mean, he was really a low life. Didn't care anything about other people. Verse 17 says, as the crowd gathered before Pilate's house that morning, Pilate, he asked them, which one do you want me to release to you? Barabbas, the convicted murderer, or Jesus, who you have seen and heard work all the miracles in our city? Barabbas or Jesus? Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Verse 18 says, talking about Pilate, Pilate knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. And just then, as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him this message, Leave that innocent man alone. I suffered through a terrible nightmare about him last night. Meanwhile, the leading priest and the elders persuaded the crowd 
to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. Here, the religious leaders who was responsible, they're going out through the crowd, probably handing out some coins, you know, like, you, 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 you say Barabbas. You, you tell them we want to crucify Jesus. Here's, you, here's the money. Here's, you, you tell them, release Barabbas, you, you know. This is the kind of thing these religious leaders would do. They were deceptive. They were supposed to be the men who was introducing Jesus the Messiah to the world. They should have been promoting it, and here they are encouraging the people to just do what they're telling them to do. It was really a sad commentary. Picking up in verse 20, Meanwhile, the leading priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. So the governor asked again, which of these two do you want me to release to you? And the crowd shouted back, Barabbas, a convicted murderer. You turn him loose in our community. Pilate responded, then what should I do with Jesus who is called the Messiah? And they shouted back what the priest had told them, Crucify him. Why, Pilate demanded, why? What crime has he committed? But the mob just went berserk, you know. They roared even louder, crucify him. They didn't want any explanation. They just wanted to do what the priest who was giving them some money was telling them to do, you know. See, many people praised Jesus on Palm Sunday because of the miracles, you know, because he had served them. He multiplied fish and bread. He, he, he turned water into wine at one particular wedding. He, he healed their servants and he healed them, you know. Some praised Jesus the same way Judas praised Jesus. Judas praised Jesus because of what he got from Jesus. Judas was the treasure of the group. And the Bible says he was dipping into it often. And if you'll remember that he betrayed Jesus. When he discovered, because he thought that Jesus was going to come and be an earthly king, and that they were going to overthrow Rome, and Jesus would set up his kingdom, and, and Judas was thinking, well, I'll be somebody special, and, and I'll probably be the treasure of the whole kingdom then, but when he found out that Jesus says, my kingdom is of another world, I come to tell you about it, but I'm going back there, and that's where you'll come and rule and reign with me in heaven. And Judas went to the priest who gave him, how much was it? Uh, 30 pieces of silver. And he told them where Jesus would be so they could come at night with their soldiers and they could take him away and all. So the priests were not above paying off the guys at the tomb, tell them that uh, uh, we fell asleep and his, uh, his uh, followers came and stole him, paying Judas 30 pieces of silver. Where's he at so we can come and take him? Paying off people in the crowd to say, Barabbas, set Barabbas free, crucify Jesus. See, they were deceiving, conniving kinds of folks. They, they really were. But a lot of people who were there on Palm Sunday crying out Hosanna and praising him for all the, the benefit they got. Not all, but 
Some of those same people were down there at the governor's house calling out, crucify him, set Barabbas free. See, many praised Jesus because it was popular, because it was uh, the trendy thing to do. Have you noticed trends come and go? And, and aren't you embarrassed to even tell people some of the trends you were a part of? Like, oh, yeah. But I was, you know. But trends, they come and they go. And that's what these people, a lot of them are doing. They're praising Jesus, even on Palm Sunday, because how they can benefit. Because it's popular. The popular people are doing it. It's, it's a trendy kind of a thing to do, you know. But their praise was tempered with this attitude. Jesus, what can you do for me? See, there was a lot of self-centered kinds of people, not, not Christ-centered. Now, there were some real genuine, sincere followers of Christ on Palm Sunday. There were, but not all. Just to kind of put things in its proper perspective. And a few days after Palm Sunday, when they had saw Jesus, after Pilate released him to the, the Roman guard, and, and then when they brought him back and he was disfigured, and he had been beaten in unbelievable kinds of ways, and he no longer looked like a deliverer or a conqueror, you know, they bought the lie. And they quickly changed their position. Some who were saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, who had said, crucify him. And now as they see what bad shape he was in, yeah, they think they made the right choice. You see, the trend had changed. Uh, so now what I'd like to do, I'd like to kind of fast forward to where we are here today, you know. And um, I want to pick up where we left off last week. It all connects together, and we'll kind of wrap that up. But listen what it says. And I'm so glad I'm teaching you about Palm Sunday with the knowledge of what happens a week later. You know, I know this. They didn't all know that back then. But, but it tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and, and we learned last week that when it says to be in Christ, it means to be in a relationship with Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, anyone, man, one boy, girl, therefore, if anyone is in a relationship with Christ, God's Son, he or she is a new creation. A new creation. I'm talking about as new as the difference between a spaceship, a rocket that's going to land on the moon compared to a butter churn. Okay? Y'all know what a butter churn is? It's a little wooden thing that you do like this and it turns the milk into butter. Now, would you think a, a rocket going to the moon is, 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 is new improved compared to the butter churn? Let me tell you, what Christ does in your life is far greater than that transformation, you know. Far greater. And he says here, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. But now, you see that second word here? Therefore, if, if you're in relationship with Christ, <coughs> you're a new creation. The old things have passed away. 
But if you're not in a relationship with Christ, no matter how religious or how many churches you go to, if you're not in a relationship with Christ, you know, you're not a new creation. You know, the old things of your life are, are still there. The, the guilt and the shame and the sin and the consequences thereof. But he says, therefore, if anyone is, is in Christ, in relationship with Christ, he's a new creation. The old things from your past, all of it, they've passed away. God has no record of it. And he says, behold, all things have become new. See, being in relationship with Christ brings about radical transformation. Now, I know a lot of you folks. And I know the radical transformation that has taken place in many of your lives. Would you agree to that? Yes. Absolutely. I know the radical transformation that took place in my life when I became acquainted and in relationship with Jesus. Radical transformation, not by going to church, but by being in relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we're talking about here. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Listen to what it says. For he, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. See, Jesus, as he hung on the cross, did you know he was wearing camouflage? You know that. Jesus was in camouflage. Well, let me tell you, the camouflage I'm talking about that makes us perfect is Jesus took your sins. And he took my sins. And he put them, uh, let, me, let me finish, okay? We can talk in the life groups, okay? But now I've, I've got another service to do in just a little bit. So Jesus was wearing your sins and my sins, and the devil looked up and he saw all this sin on him. It wasn't his own. He was in camouflage, just like the rest of the sinful world. And the devil snatched him down into hell when he gave up his life. And Jesus, the Bible says, beat the stuffings out of the devil in hell, took the keys. The Bible says he, he took the keys with him. When he rose from the dead and he's got the key, has your name on it, and the devil cannot lock you up in hell, cannot, because Jesus took it. Jesus, when he did die, he basically said, you'll go to hell over my dead body. And he's done everything he can to prevent that because he wants you in heaven with him. So we see here that Jesus, it says, was made sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him, in, in this relationship. Let me read to you the New Living Translation. It says, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made or become right with God through Christ. Now, let me read one more time out of the Message Bible. And it says, I'm reading verse 20 as well. It says, become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. How, you say? In Christ. God put the wrong on him, on Jesus, who never did anything wrong, so we could be made right with God. That's righteousness, being made right with him. Jesus, he... The only way he could take your place is he had to take your sin. He was camouflaged with it. So the devil would take him down there, and, and the devil violated, you know, law and principle. And Jesus rose from the dead, you know, breaking that, that bondage. No one has to go to hell anymore. Did you know that? Jesus has paid 
for, for your sins. And if we'll be in relationship with him as our Savior, you know, well, let me go to the next verse here. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, There is therefore no, what's that word? Condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation. Condemnation is, is, is talking about kind of like legal terms. He's talking about here that there is no uh, conviction. There is no sentencing. There is no guilty verdict. There is no judgment being passed. And that's what he says here. There is therefore now no condemnation. No con nobody has to live under that low-lying black cloud of sin anymore because we have been fully pardoned from our sin. And he says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are, what's it say? In Christ Jesus, in relationship. For those who are in Christ Jesus, have you ever had people try to condemn you? You remember what you, and the devil does it all the time. He whispers things in our mind to bring about regret and to bring about shame. But the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who are in relationship with Christ Jesus, in close personal relationship with Christ Jesus. And it says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to I mean, who do not walk according to the flesh, but they walk according to the Spirit. That's our choice. And then he goes to say, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has. Now, can you tell me what tense is the word has? Is? Christ has paid for your sins. Past tense. This has already been done for the law of the spirit of life in Christ has, past tense, made me free from the law of sin and death. Now see, there's a new power in operation. There was a law of sin and death and, and, and what law is this right here? It's gravity. What does gravity do? Has an ever-present downward pull, does it not? And there's a law of sin and death that's just like gravity, pulling us downward, pulling us downward, pulling us downward, trying to condemn us, condemning us and condemning us. And the Bible says here in verse 2, Romans 8, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Uh, you know, you go out there and, uh, at the airport and you, you board an airplane. Every step of the way getting on that airplane, you feel the gravitational pull keeping you against this earth, right? But there is a law of lift that once you get in that airplane, you can break free from the gravitational pull and you can fly 50,000 you know, feet in the air above all the cities and get to your destination. Is that true? How many of you have ever flown on an airplane? Isn't it amazing? Now, did it completely, totally deal, do away with gravity? No, because if you open the door of the airplane and step out, <laughs> gravity is still there, 
but there is a law that's more powerful. There's a new power in operation. There is a law that's so much more powerful than the, the law of gravity, and it can break free of the law of gravity, see, if you and I choose to get in that airplane. You remember even we talked about last week, Noah, he built an ark, and him and his family and all the critters and all was on there, and as the flood the, the flood waters that was drowning everybody and everything was rising and rising and rising and it hit the bottom of the ark. What happened? The ark began to float and the ark stayed above the flood waters of destruction, you see. There is a law that is stronger than all other laws and it's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, he says, has made me free from the law of sin and the law of of death. Listen to what it says here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, How blessed is God, and what a blessing He is. He is the Father of our Master Jesus Christ, and takes us to the highest, to the high places of blessing. Well, another translation says, In the heavenly realm. He takes us to the high places of blessing. What's the next two words? In him. In him. We have been taken to the high places of blessings in him. We mount up with wings like as of an eagle in him it's talking about, you know. But what happens if, if we refuse to board the plane? If we refuse to board the plane, we want to get, you know, to our destination in an hour's time. And the only way to do that really that we have been told is getting on this airplane and, and, and we refuse to board the airplane. And some people are fearful of airplanes, right? I know some people, and I tell people who are afraid of airplanes, listen, if, if God wanted you to die in an airplane crash, he would crash one on your house. Do you understand that? God is faithful, and he's going to take care of us. He said, if we ascend into the heavens, he's there. You know, wherever we go, but I'm telling you, as you and I enter into a relationship with Christ, like entering into an airplane, and we enter into an airplane, we can break free uh, from, from gravity. And if we'll enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we have been made free from the law of sin and death. We, we break free from that gravitational pull of sin that just pulls us down and tries to condemn us. Therefore, if any man is in Christ Jesus... You know, if he's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away. All things have become new. There is no condemnation to those who are in a relationship with Christ Jesus. That's what he's telling us here. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, It's a wonder <clears throat> God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us because of our sin. Have you ever got ticked off at somebody who just keeps on, keeps on, maybe your kids or something? You know what I'm talking about. It says, it's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with a whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy. The, the word immense, it means huge. It means vast. So big you can't number it. It means enormous. It says here, Instead of doing away with us, immense in mercy 
and with an incredible love, incredible meaning amazing, uh, astonishing, extraordinary. This is God toward you and me, huge and vast. You know, uh, in his mercy, and you understand mercy is not giving you what you deserve. He says, instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, verse 5, he embraced us. Can you, can you see this? God embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives, and he made us alive in Christ. In a relationship with Christ, we have been made alive. In a relationship with Christ, he did all this on his own with no help from us. You have nothing, absolutely nothing, that contributes to your salvation and your pardon and your forgiveness other than accepting it, to receive it, to believe it and to receive it. God did it all. He did everything that needed to be done to give us a full pardon. And it says here uh, in verse 6, Then he picked us up and set us down in highest heaven. You know, the, uh, the New Living Translation says, In the heavenly realm. He picked us up and he set us down in highest heaven in company, in relationship, in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Now God has us where he wants us with all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in relationship with Christ Jesus. What I'm saying here is that everything God thinks about with you is to bless you and to love you and, and, and to hug you and to embrace you and to pardon you and that you would become more and more and more like his son, you know, Jesus. See, being in Christ, there is an absolute radical transformation from glory to glory that he wants to bring about in your life. Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, it says this. It says, by faith in Christ, you are in direct relationship with God. Direct relationship. You don't have to go through anybody accepting Jesus Christ. He is our mediator between us and the Father. It's not based on anything else other than this relationship with Christ brings us into direct relationship <clears throat> with the Father. And then Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 says, Watch out for people who try to dazzle you with big words and intellectual double talk. They want to drag you off into endless arguments that never amount to anything. They spread their ideas through the empty traditions of human beings and the empty superstitions of spirit beings. But that's not the way of Christ. Everything, this word everything means the fullness. <clears throat> everything <clears throat> or the fullness of God gets expressed in him. I'm talking about in Christ. Everything, the fullness of God gets expressed in Christ, in him, so you can see and you can hear him clearly. You don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without him. You know, all that other stuff misleads, deceives. Christ Jesus reveals to us God the Father. Christ 
He has revealed himself to us through his word. All that other stuff would try to mislead us and, and to distract us. You know, a lot of people feel like there's something missing. It says in Colossians, the very next verse, chapter 2, verse 10, it says, you are complete in him. The, the thing that's missing in our lives is Jesus Christ. We, we have a God-shaped hole in us that only Christ fills. We try to fill it with all kinds of other pleasures, all kinds of other things, and, and it falls out. It doesn't fit properly. But it says here, you are complete in relationship with him. In Christ Jesus, you are complete. Okay, Ephesians 2.13 says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were Fall. Now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off. You get the picture? But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. What Jesus Christ has done for us has brought us near to God. He was the sacrifice. He was the lamb who, whose blood did not cover our sins, but his blood washed our sins away. And, and talking about, you know, his sacrifice and all that he's done in light of, we know what happens next week, don't we? We know about the resurrection. The crucifixion was a tragedy, but in, in light of, we know what happens three days later. That's awesome, you know. We know the blood of Christ has, has brought us near and brought us into relationship and has brought us into the heavenly realm. What I'm talking about, when it talks about this realm, see, I don't know if you knew, but I, I have a double citizenship. Does anybody here have a double citizenship? Quite a few of you. I mean, I know some folks who are, their citizenship is here for the U.S. and they're a citizen of Italy or somewhere else. And, and I'm a citizen of the United States, you know, and I'm also a citizen of heaven. The Bible says in Christ, we have a citizenship in heaven, and I can access those blessings now because I'm in relationship with Christ. I'm not going to access them to the fullness. I can't go and kick off my shoes and slide down those streets of gold in my sock feet yet, but one day I will. But I can access the benefits of my citizenship of heaven. We are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. That's where our citizenship is. When you're in Christ, he brings you into the citizenship of heaven. That's just the way it is. Anyhow, here, here, here's uh, one other verse here I want to uh, share with you. It's in Romans chapter 8, verse uh, 37. It says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours. How many of you could handle a little overwhelming victory in your life? About half of you? What do the rest of you guys want? You know, underwhelming defeat? You know, I don't want that, you know. Overwhelming victory. It says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Now, let me read this to you out of the New King James. It says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us more than conquerors. Imagine I've got a friend, and my friend, it, you know, is about six foot four. You know, I mean, strong as an ox. 
and they are the world champion in all forms of martial arts, okay? They, they have won the gold medals in every form of martial arts, and if, if, if I'm walking down the street late one night and some bad guys come up and they're going to try to hurt me somehow or another, and then I go, well, let me introduce you to my friend, you know, and they, they recognize him. Are you the... He goes, yes, I am. Doom, they're gone. I'm more than a conqueror. I didn't have to fight. They know his credentials. Let me tell you, in Christ Jesus, overwhelming victory is mine. Overwhelming victory is yours. You're more than a conqueror. You don't have to fight the battles that Jesus has already fought. The devil sees you in relationship with Christ, and he sees you're so close, and, and you have your citizenship, and you're tapping into that, and he messes with us, and it's just like, Doom! he flees. So submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. And see, that's being more than a conqueror. You don't have to fight some battles because of your association with Jesus Christ. Well, you know, there's a, uh, there's a thing I, I learned quite a few years ago about submarines. And uh, somebody here in our church was telling me, I have a family member who was uh, part of the military, and, and they spent a tremendous amount of time in a submarine. And he was telling me there's just like this steel bar in a submarine. Now the submarine is long this away, and this is just across, you know, and he said that in the submarine, you've got this great big old steel, very powerful bar, attaches to that, the frame of the submarine over there, goes all the way across to the side of the submarine. It's just as perfect, as straight as it can be, as level. But as the submarine dives, you know, hundreds, thousands of feet deep, he said you can look at that metal bar and the metal bar is like a rainbow shape because the pressure, the deeper you go, every pound of water, I mean, every uh, gallon of water weighs about nine pounds, you know? So the deeper you go, you get more and more and more and more and more pressure. You ever uh, dove off into the water and once you get about nine feet deep, you feel the pressure on your ears? You know, and they tell you you gotta blow to equalize it and all this kinds of stuff, you know? But there's tremendous pressure on a submarine as it goes deeper, and some submarines can, they have a level. They can't go any deeper or it'll crush it, you know. And anyhow, I was reading this little article. These scientists had created this, this very small uh, submarine, and, and the walls was like this thick of steel, you know. But it was just a small one. Some of them were unmanned. Some of them were big enough for one person to be in them, but they had their limitations with the manned one. But this one had walls of steel like this, and it had some unbreakable glass that was like that, and it had lights hooked up on the outside of the submarine, and they would send it down three miles, four miles deep in the ocean. Can you imagine going that deep, you know? And they got down there, they're just curious, what's down there? And they got to this one little area, miles deep, and they turned their lights on down there, and they saw creatures, fish, different kinds of fish. They were swimming around. They're inside there under all this pressure of this submarine that's at risk of being crushed. And these fish are out there. They don't have no armor, no, no protection of any kind. And they're just, you know, gracefully just swimming around, doing what they do. And see what happens is, the reason the fish can live in that extreme depth and not be crushed by the pressure is because they have a greater pressure 
on the inside of them that counterbalances the external pressure so it can't crush them. And in that, they're just, you know, gracefully swimming along. They don't need any armor or anything like that. Well, let me read you a passage, and it may help you to understand what I'm talking about here. And this is the last verse we'll actually read uh, today, I think. It's in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, and it says, You are of God, little children, and you've overcome. You've overcome. Because greater is he, Christ, that is in you than, the, than he, talking about Satan, that is in the world. See, because Christ in you equalizes the pressure where the devil would do his best to crush us and to destroy us and pull us downward. The spirit of life in Christ enables us to reach the heavenly realm. But it also, while we're here on this earth, greater is he who is in me. The pressures of this world cannot crush you because greater is Christ who is in you than the devil who exerts his pressure from the world. Does that make sense? I am telling you, everything we study all year round in the Bible it, it, it means so much more because we know what's going to happen this coming week. Jesus, yes, is crucified. Yes, and, and, and it's heartbreaking. But three days later, he rises from the dead. And there is much more power, a different kind of power available to you and me than a lot of people know about. And that which other people are, are sensing to crush them, we're not crushed because of he who is in us. And him who we are in, we're in a relationship together. That's what I'm talking about. And a relationship brings about radical transformation. Religion, well, let me just tell it to you this way. It's the religious leaders who paid the thieves to lie about Jesus rising from the dead. It was the religious leaders who stirred up the people to say, set free Barabbas crucified Jesus. It was the religious leaders who paid <clears throat> Judas 30 pieces of silver to betray him. I, I don't like the idea of being called religious, you know. I have a relationship with the Son of God that brings me into relationship, close relationship with the Father. And that is available to all of us. Christ went through that sheep gate for one purpose. So you can be set free from the law of sin and death, that gravitational pull. Christ went through that sheep gate so the pressures of this world would not crush you. When you invite Christ in relationship with you, the outward pressure cannot hurt you any longer because greater is Christ who is in you than the devil is in this world. Well, our time is up. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you for giving us the Bible. Thank you for giving us the Word. We know the devil does his best to distract us so we won't read it. We won't learn the secrets that would so greatly help us. But open our eyes and our hearts this coming week that we'll take it seriously what you say in your Word. 
and, and, and our faith would increase and that our lives would change. We would experience continual radical transformation because of the relationship we have with Jesus Christ. Bless my brothers and sisters here. Bless their family members. Bless their friends who is in their sphere of influence. Father, lead us and guide us in the best pathway for our life. May we reach our full potential and become everything that you want us to be. And we know that no longer do we have to accept any condemnation, but we can walk free. We can walk with the full pardon of knowing that we have been forgiven and cleansed and given another chance. And help us to share that with the people who's in our sphere of influence. As, as we close, would we keep our heads bowed for just another moment? And would you join me in a simple prayer to reaffirm our faith in Christ? And those who are here today who've never welcomed Christ into your life, you didn't even know a relationship was possible. Well, it is. Would you pray with us and welcome Christ into your life as Savior and Lord? He loves you and his plans for you are good. Would you join me now as we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. You have my best interest in mind. That's why you sent your son. And I believe that Jesus went to the cross for me. And he gave his lifeblood to wash my sins away. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And right now he's knocking at the door of my heart. I open that door. And I welcome Jesus into my life right now as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my King. I'm sorry for the times I've hurt you with disobedience, but I receive your pardon, and I choose this day to live my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, uh, your uh, little weekly challenge here on your connections card says, I will live as close to Christ this week as I can and make him known by my words and actions. What a great opportunity we have to let people see the Christ in us. So if you agree with that, check it off, drop it in the tithe box. And if you prayed with me just a moment ago and you welcome Christ into your life, please stop at the Connections desk on your way out. We put together a little gift bag for you. There's a Bible. It's free, a movie, some other little goodies that would inspire your faith. Please take advantage of that. And if you're a guest, we have another little gift, a very nice gift for all of you who are visiting with us today. One of our ways is saying thank you for coming, and we sure hope you come back. If you need some prayer, the, the altar over here to my left is open, and there'll be people here who would love to pray with you. And I am telling you, the God we serve, he still answers prayer. And if you would, please don't forget, do I have that over here? Yeah, don't forget the uh, flyers here. Um, oh, there it is. These flyers, take some of them, <clears throat> invite people to come to Easter, two services next Saturday night, two services on Sunday morning. You know, please invite somebody, give them one of these, you know, share it with them. 
And uh, if you would be willing to help us, and this is huge, I'm telling you, this is life-changing for so many people. If you're willing to uh, become a, uh, a life group host or a leader for six weeks, and we'll coach you through it, we'll explain every little detail about it, and you really don't have to do a whole lot other than just hush me up by pushing a button and starting me back up again. You know, uh, if, if you would consider that, just fill out these, uh, the connections desk back there. It's just, uh, what on earth am I here for? A leader sign up. If you would be willing to help us, and I'm, I'm asking you to help. If you're in a life group, take a sabbatical. So I've been in a life group for 20 years or 10 years. Say, so, you know, I, I'll go and lead a life group for six weeks. And then I'll go back to mine afterwards. That's okay. But if you say, I'll, I'll help out, you know, just sign up there and let us know because we got to get that thing kicked off really, really soon. And with that, would you greet one another on your way out? Hug somebody's neck, <clears throat> shake somebody's hand, get to know somebody, reacquaint with somebody you haven't had opportunity to know before or, or you haven't seen in a while. And uh, get an opportunity. Don't hurt her or overwhelm her, but you can give Millie a high five for turning 100, okay? <laughs> okay. God bless you. You are dismissed.